0: All right, everybody has notes. All right, so Exodus uh, 27, 1 to 7. And um, I'm happy to say that today we're going to go back to uh, talking about shadows of Golgotha. I was thinking about it yesterday, how much, uh, I couldn't even remember what we talked about every one of them. It took me a few minutes to remember all of them. So let's see if you guys remember or not. We started in the book of Genesis chapter 3, right? We're talking about pictures of the cross in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 3, we have two pictures. Anybody remember? We have Genesis 3.15 when God said uh, that the seed of the woman will bru- bruise the head of the serpent. And then Genesis 3.21 when God made the garments of skin and clothed sinful Adam and sinful Eve, right? And then after that was Noah, right? The ark, a picture of the cross where the wrath of God falls onto the ark to give life to those who are safe inside the ark, right? And then uh, was um, Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22 when Abraham said, uh, God will provide, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Yerah, will provide for himself the lamb for the sacrifice. That was in Genesis. And then we'll move to Exodus. And we spent four weeks in Exodus 12, the Lamb of the Passover, right? And then we did Exodus 14, the crossover, and we say that's a different picture of the cross where the one who's being crucified is not Jesus, it is you and me being crucified with Christ. That is what the crossover uh, symbolizes. And then we move to, I think, Exodus 17, when we uh, talked about uh, the rock with Christ, the rock that Moses smitten, uh, and they gave living water to the children of Israel, and we uh, talked about how is that a picture of the cross. And now we're moving all the way to Exodus 27, all right? So in Exodus 27, we're going to come now to the tabernacle of meeting. So... The Tabernacle is pretty much the temple that the, the, the sanctuary, the church that the children of Israel while where there were um, walking around all the wilderness even through the even up till the time of, uh, of Solomon Solomon is the king who actually built a temple to God right? So from Moses all the way to uh, Solomon, this is the building, this is the church that the children of Israel were worshiping in. It's a tent, it's a tabernacle, and God gave very specific instruction on how to build the actual building, and even the furniture inside the building has very specific instruction from the mouth of God himself, amen? I mean, I think about it. I mean, in in the Bible, from Genesis from Exodus twenty five to Exodus forty, Exodus twenty five to Exodus forty, God is giving an instruction to Moses about how he need to build that tabernacle, right? Now, it, the Bible has a lot of stories about prophets, and you know, shows us, shows us how God deals with people and our fallen human race, and how God redeems sin. But the actual wordings of God. I mean, it is not like the whole Bible is God's telling people stuff, right? It has stories in it and stuff. So God spoke. For 15 chapters in the scripture, and this is what he said, how to build this building. That tells us something. This is important, right? Because this is God's own words. This is not just a story of how God deals with us or how God deals with our sins or how God redeems us, as we have seen in so many other incidents. This is God himself. Look, Moses, up to the mountain, and he's like, hey, sit down and write this, because this is how I want it to be done. This is the exact same wordings of God's mouth. So that tells us that this is of a value to God. Amen? Amen. So much so that God thought that dedicating minimum of 15 chapters in the book of Exodus just to talk about this is, is, is good enough for him that when he gives us a book, he will put 15 chapters talking about the tabernacle, right? And even like in the book of Leviticus and throughout the Holy Scripture, the references and how that tabernacle building is embedded into throughout the Bible is just so massive. If you don't understand this, you'll miss you'll miss 15 chapters in Exodus. You'll miss almost most of Leviticus. And you're surely going to miss the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. So it's like almost two and a half books in the Bible are so deeply embedded into that tabernacle, that building, and how it looked and how people functioned in it. Amen? So that tells you how valuable and how important that is. In our study, since we're only doing shadows of Golgotha, shadows of the cross, we're not going to go through the whole building and talk about it. We're going to focus on the pictures in that building about the cross. Amen? Maybe the Lord will give us a chance. I hope so, like... A couple of, maybe down in the future, we'll go back and really, really dig into that tabernacle and just study every single part of it and the type in it and the symbolism in it. But for now, we're going to, I think we're going to spend three weeks talking about the actual tabernacle and the furniture in it, just the stuff that type or give us a picture of the cross. Amen? So this week, we're going to talk about the, well, let's let's start. If you have your uh, notes, look in front of look at that building of the tabernacle, the gate is actually on the east, where it says E East, that's where the gate is, okay? And then when the person goes into the church, into the tabernacle, into the tent, the very first piece of furniture that they see is called what? Altar of the Burnt Offering. Altar of the burnt offering. So that is the yard of, of the of the tabernacle. The yard has two build it, two things in it. The altar of the Burnt Offering, and then it has a brazen lever, okay? So that's the only two furniture that is in the yard of the building where people worship God. And then you move west a little bit more, you see the door to the actual building, the actual tabernacle where the priest will go in. And it has two rooms in it. You guys follow the picture so far? It has two rooms in it. The first room called the holy place and it has three pieces of furniture in that holy place. The first one is I'm just reading from top to bottom, table of the showbread, and then the altar of the incense, and then the golden lampstand. So that is the three pieces of furniture in the holy place, the first room, inside that tabernacle, inside the building. And then, we're still moving west, there is something called the veil, and we're going to talk about that as well. And the veil actually separates the two chambers of the building, separates the holy place from the holy of holies, Amen. So the inner room, the very inner room, is called Holy of Holies. And it has one piece of furniture in it called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant has a lid on it. And that lid called the mercy seat. Okay? So the Ark of the Covenant is covered by the lid that is called the mercy seat. And then you're done. That's all that is into that building. To the holy place, the first room. So everybody can go into the yard of the the tabernacle. That's no problem. All right? The holy place, the first room, only the priests can go in, and then the holy of holies, that's only the high priest once a year. You guys follow me so far? Now, it's interesting that the door is toward the east, and east in the scripture always resembles evil. Even in in Genesis chapter 3, once God kicked Adam and Eve out, and then... uh, once they were kicked out, they were kicked out to the east of the garden of the tab uh, of the garden. Once they were kicked out, and the Lord put the angel with the flipping sword so that they w- the the angel will protect the gate of the garden, so they will not go back west into the garden. So east always resembles evil, right? And um. That tabernacle in the Old Testament resembles the presence of God in the midst of his people. So that's kind of like give you an idea. We're going to spend three weeks talking about uh, pieces of furniture in the tabernacle that only resembles the cross. We're not going to talk about the the whole thing. We're just going to look into the cross, into that tabernacle. So the first piece that we're going to be talking about is actually the very first piece of furniture, which is called the altar of the burnt offering or the bronze altar, okay? And then the second piece of furniture that resembles the cross is actually all the way in the veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. That's also a picture of the cross. And then... The cover that is on the Ark of the Covenant that is inside the holy place that is called the mercy seat, that's also a picture of the cross that we're going to be talking about. So that's the next, maybe next week we'll take a break because of Christmas, but this is the next three sermon in the uh, Shadows of Golgotha. We're going to talk about these three pieces of furniture. Each one of them is a shadow of or a picture of the cross of Jesus. Amen? So the brazen altar the is this week, next week is the veil, and then the third week will be the, the the mercy seat, the lead that covers the Ark of the Covenant. So let's start with the um, the altar of the burnt offering. We read the instruction on how to build that in Exodus 27, 1-7. to So let's, I can read it, and we're going to have some comments as we go. Now, God is talking to Moses. Okay, God is talking to Moses, and he said, Build an altar of acacia wood. Three cupids height. Now, the cupid is one foot and six inches. So the height of that altar is how much? Anybody who knows math? Four and a half. Four and a half, exactly. Four and a half foot. So four feet and six inches is the height of that altar. And you have a picture of it right under here, so you can try to imagine it. So that altar is four and a half feet Long, not very long. Everybody of us can reach that. Um, it is to be a square, okay? Five cubits long and five cubits wide. So you guys see that picture? It's a it's a cube, five by five, but the height is three. So five cubit long and five cubit wide. That's seven feet, right? Seven and a half. So that is seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, but only four and a half feet. Um, height. You guys get the picture of how big that is, okay? Um, and then it says make a horn at each of the four corners. So each corner has a horn, as you can see in the picture. So that the horns and the altars are of one piece. So they kind of like um, don't make it separately and and uh, glue it together. This is just one piece that they cut so it can has four pieces in it, okay? Um, and overlay the altar with what? Bronze. Make all its utensils of bronze. Again, you see that keyword in that altar, bronze. Bronze. Just an FYI, there is another altar inside the holy of holies it's called the altar of incense. So there is two altars in that tabernacle: the altar of the burnt offering outside, and then the altar of incense inside. And there is two different purposes and two different reasons. The major difference is. The first one is covered with bronze. The second one is covered with gold. Okay, inside the building is covered with gold. Outside the building is covered with bronze. But again, the key word here is bronze, bronze. You're going to see this a lot, uh, brass. Make all, um, all its utensils of bronze, its pots um, to remove the ashes, and its shovels, uh, sprinkling bowls, meat forks, and uh, fire pans. Make a grating for it a bronze network and make bronze ring each of the four corners of that network. So if you guys look inside that picture, the second picture, do you see that net? There's a net inside, right? So there is a net of bronze. That's where they lay the animal. So they laid the animal on that net that is actually removable and it has four, wing, four rings at the four corners so they can Hook it up and get it out and in from the altar. So the altar has a removable inner in it, which is pretty much a network of uh, of, uh, of brass where the animal is being laid. And when the animal is being burned, the ashes of the animal that is being burned to fall down, right? And they are to collect these ashes. That's why God said here in verse 3, make all utensils of bronze. It's pots to remove the ashes. Do you see that? So there's pots that they put underneath that net so when the animal is being burned, they can collect these ashes because some, sometimes they have usage for it, okay? So, but everything, again, is made of um, bronze, of brass. And then it says, verse 5, uh, put, it, uh, put it under the ledge of the altar. Now we're talking about the network, that uh, grate that God said to make of brass. Put it under the ledge of the altar so that it is halfway up the altar. So question to those who love math, how high is that? uh, Great. It's four and a half feet, uh, it's four and a half feet high, so it's about two feet and a quarter, right? Something like that. This is how high that network inside that um, altar is, two and a half feet, okay? Or two and a quarter feet. Um, It's halfway up the altar, make poles of acacia wood uh, for the altar and overlay them with bronze. If you see in that picture on the sides, there is rings and there is poles that goes in it because the children of Israel were not supposed to carry the furniture with hand, lift it up with their own hands. They always had to carry it with poles like the ones we see in the picture. Every time they move, they just put these poles on their shoulders and just carry the furniture as they go, but they're not supposed to hold it with their own hands because this is stuff that is sanctified holy unto the Lord. Amen? Make poles of acacia wood for the altar. And overlay them with bronze. Again, the key word is bronze, bronze, bronze. Everything is covered with bronze. The poles are to be inserted into the rings, so they will uh, be on one, um, be on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Verse eight: Make the altar hollow uh, out of boards. It is to be made just as you were shown in the mountain. Now, God is like, you need to make it precisely the way I am showing you. Okay. So this is like very, very important to God to have the altar uh, specifically in this manner. Any questions or we're good to go? Good to go. Now, in the New Testament, the, the author of Hebrews kind of gave us a clue that this altar is a picture of the cross. Where do we get that from? In Hebrews 13, 9 to 14, here is what the author of Hebrews is saying. Remember, again, the the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people who became Christian, and some of them were thinking about going back to Judaism. So the the author of Hebrews wrote this letter to tell them, don't do it. Christianity is far much better than Judaism, right? So that's the, the context here. So here is what he's concluding the book in Hebrews 13, 9 to 11. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching that is trying to get you back to Judaism. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial food as the children of Israel used to do in the Old Testament. They have ceremonial food to eat certain times, certain locations. They have to eat certain things, which is of no benefits to those who do it. And then verse 10, look at this. We have what? An altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. What what is he talking about here? This is a hard verse to understand. But he's again comparing the privileges that we have as Christians in the New Testament versus the Jews in the Old Testament. Now, the last part of that verse, those who minister at the tabernacle, he's talking about the physical Jewish priests in the Old Testament. These are the ones who, who minister in the physical tabernacle. And the author of Hebrews is saying in verse 10, unlike The priests of the Old Testament who minister in the physical tabernacle, we have an altar too. They have their own altar, which is which one? The bronze altar, the burned altar, and they have their own altar that they minister to and eat from that food that is sometimes burned on it. They eat the meat before they burn it. We also have an altar like them, but unlike them, they cannot participate from the offering that is on our altar. That's exactly what he's saying. Clear like mud? Go forward, let's read it again, okay? Here is saying in verse 10, We, the New Testament believers, have an altar, which is different than the bronze altar of the Old Testament, from which, from our altar, the Old Testament priests, those who minister in the tabernacle, have no right to eat. Amen? And he expanded on that a little bit more in verse 11. The high priest carries... um, Carries the blood of animals to the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies that is burned outside the camps, then, uh, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. We spoke about that way back past when we say that we are sanctified by the blood. So you guys see that in a way the author of Hebrews is telling us that the bronze altar in the tabernacle in the Old Testament is a picture of the altar that we have in the New Testament where the sacrifice was offered to God once and for all. And what altar that can possibly be? It is the cross. Amen. That's that's in a way the altar of the New Testament where the offering of Jesus, the, the offering of his own life was offered to God once and for all. This is pretty much the consensus of most um, commentators that I read. Um, Only a couple disagree with that. But for the most part, a lot of um, respectful commentators say that this altar represents the cross where Jesus was offered once and for all. I think it makes sense. We'll go with it. Amen? So the author of Hebrews, in a way, telling us that The altar of the Old Testament, that brazen, that bronze altar that we just spoke about how we, how Moses needed to build it, it's a picture of the altar of the cross in the New Testament that Jesus himself was offered. So, we know from that verse that this altar is a picture of the cross. Amen? Now, let's have some notes about that altar. Just highlight a couple of things about the build of it, and then we're going to talk about lessons that we learn from it and how is that a type of the cross. Lesson number one, that... Only the furniture inside the tabernacle was covered with gold, but the furniture outside the building was covered with bronze. bronze. And this is just amazing. Like when I was reading, this guy who read this book is great. Uh, his name is down there. Um, anyways, he's just saying that it's only those who are priests can actually see the gold. But those who are not priests cannot see the gold. Do you guys see that? So if you're not a priest you are all what you see from outside in that tabernacle is just stuff that is covered with brass but only when you be are a priest and you get into the holy place or the holy of holies that's when you see the gold right and he was saying this is a picture of us as a new testament priests as a new testament believers we're the only one who can actually see the glories of Christ for, for the world outside, they don't see anything attractive in Jesus. They just see a bunch of brass, right? But only those whose eyes have been opened and they have seen the love, the grace, and the goodness of God that he has shown us on the cross, we are the only ones who can actually see the, the beauty of Jesus and his glory and his deity. Amen? I mean, think about it. We're looking at a piece of furniture and we're seeing pictures of Jesus. I don't know about you, this is wonderful to me. I love it. I want to know more and more because it reveals who Jesus is. But a lot of other people read the Bible and say, oh, this. what is this? Why am I wasting my time reading this? Amen? So only the priest, only the blood-washed priest of the most high God will see the divinity, the glories of Jesus. But for the world, they might not see anything beauty in it. Amen? Now, again, number two. That if you remember the dimensions of that altar, it was seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, but it was not seven and a half feet tall, right? It was only four and a half feet tall. A lot of people, if you're short, even 410, you still can't reach to that altar, right? I mean, 410, it's 46, so you still have four inches over that altar. What is God is trying to tell us with these dimensions? I, I, this guy, uh, he's, uh, he's a pastor, Mr. Lewis. He was saying that this is just a picture of how God has made the sacrifice of Christ and the death of Christ available to all. And it is simple. You don't have to get a ladder. You don't have to climb on that altar so you can put your hand on the sacrifice. It is just available to anybody, right? I think most people are more, higher than, taller than four, six, right? Even me, I can reach to the altar, right? Because it's available to everybody regardless of how tall you are or how short you are. This is available to all. And that's a picture of Jesus, right? He's available to the whole world. His, his blood is enough for everybody. You don't have to have certain criteria to, to reach Jesus. He's already reached out to us. Amen? Now, point number three, the horns on that altar... The purpose of these horns is to tie, to bind the sacrifice on that altar, so it doesn't run away when it is being slaughtered. We read about that in Psalms 118, 27. Um, This is what the scripture says, bind the sacrifice with the cords, even unto the horns of the altar. So that's the purposes of these horns, these four horns, they are to bind with the cords, the sacrifice, so it doesn't run away when you're about to slaughter it, and that's a picture of the love of Christ, really, because Jesus said when 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 he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter drew his sword and he cut the ear of one of the servants, Jesus said, don't you know that if I want, I can have armies of angels to come here to, to defend me, but I'm not doing it because I want to go to the cross. I'm going to be bound to the cross, not because I have to, but because of my love for you. That's what's going to bind me to that cross so I can bear your, the penalty of your sins. Amen? What bound Jesus was not cords, was not nails. What bound Jesus on that cross was his love for us. That's amazing. Amen? Now, this is really, 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 really cool. That network that was inside the altar. Remember, it was only half the way up, right? So it was one and a half cubit high, which is two feet and a quarter, right? And in the Bible, there is only one other piece of furniture, as far as I know. And again, this pastor was pointing that out. That it has the exact same height. And what is it? What is that? It was that uh, one and a half cubit high. One and a half cubit height. That was the, the the net, the brazen net that was inside, that was inside the the, um, the altar. Let me get it here so make sure I'm talking. It was the mercy seat. That led, that cover, that was covering the the, the ark of the covenant inside the holy of holies, the height of that mercy seat was also one and a half cubit, right? Now the mer- it's what is it called? Mercy seat, right? But this brazen altar talk about God's judgment on, on sin because the wrath of the fire will fall on it and the, 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 the sacrifice will be consumed on that altar. W- what the Bible is trying to tell us in a way is this, that God's justice is just as equal to his mercy and his love, right? It is the same height. His, his justice we see symbolized in the altar in the net, that where the uh, the the sacrifice is being burned is the exact same height as the mercy seat where God would spare his people from their sins right and this is just an amazing 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 fact that only the bible proclaims every other religion tell you that the mercy of god is far much greater than his justice and his uh, you know his justice over sin and his wrath over sin therefore if you do good ultimately the mercy of god will triumph over his own justice therefore in God for them is a corrupt judge, but they don't get it this way because they think the mercy of God will always overcome his justice, but not so our God, amen? Our God is as merciful as much as he is a just God. He provided the way for us to be made right with him without compromising his justice, without letting sin go unpunished. You guys see that? That's why Jesus came, that's why Jesus died on the cross, and when Jesus died, he resolved that the justice of God. He satisfied his wrath, over sin and when jesus died now sinners like you and me can actually get into the mercy and the grace and the love of god amen you guys this is for me was amazing that it is the exact same height what a beautiful picture and we see a picture of that in also the psalms uh psalm 58 10 talking about the cross again and here is what the psalmist said mercy and truth are made together righteousness and peace have kissed each other the two things that could never be reconciled the justice of God and the love of God God punishing sin yet sparing the sinner these two things that seems to be always conflicting always at odd with each other can never come together actually did come together in one place and one place only where is it on the cross where the love of God met the justice of God and God proven himself to, to, to love sinners to the utmost yet being just to the utmost in the same time. Amen? Amen. So that is a good thing. And number five, this is more like of a note more than anything else. There is a lot of offerings that was burned on that brazen altar, that bronze altar. The whole burned offering, there's multiple sacrifices. We'll talk about that in a few weeks because they're all pictures of the cross again. There is the whole burnt offering. There is the fat of the sin and the trespass offering. There is uh, the memorial and memorial of the peace and meal offering are burned upon that brazen altar. So there is parts of the sin and the trespass offering. There is, uh, I think. I'm not sure if it's the whole thing or part of it. The peace and the meal offering can also be burned on that altar. The flesh and the bones of the sin offering will be taken outside the camp to burn outside, not on that brazen altar. Only the fat, the kidney, and some other parts of that sin offering will be burned on that altar. Yet, in spite of having different uh, sacrifices that is being burned on that altar, that altar is called precisely the altar of that burned offering. So this is like the main, main, major thing for that particular altar that the, the burn offering is, is the burn offering is being burned there all the time. Just a note. Okay? Okay, you guys follow me so far? Now let's move on to the sermon today. Oh that was an introduction. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's just we'll highlight a couple of small things. How is that altar a picture of the cross? We're just gonna talk about lessons we learned from that altar or how is that a picture of the cross? three quick things here number one we learn or the picture here is this that god is a just god who will never 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 let sin go unpunished amen and in spite of that the burnt offering there is multiple kinds and they are to be offered at different times but one burnt offering god said is this There has to be a burnt offering from the morning to the evening and then another burnt offering from the evening to the morning. So there is 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, there is fire on that altar. Amen? Leviticus 6.13, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar, it shall never go out. Imagine yourself in the nation of Israel, walking by the tabernacle or just going somewhere. And every single time, it doesn't matter what time of the day, morning, evening, 3 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter what time you walk by. Every time you get by the tabernacle, you see that fire burning on that altar. You see an innocent sacrifice being burned on that altar 24-7, right? What, what is that telling the people of Israel? What is God trying to tell them, reminding them constantly with this fire? He's saying, I'm a holy and a just God. I cannot tolerate sin. I cannot accommodate sin. And I will punish sin with fire. That's what he did. And in an essence, God is saying, if it wasn't for that fire burning on that sacrifice, this fire will be burning on you because I cannot tolerate or accommodate sin. Amen? God is a just God. He's a holy and a righteous and a just God who can never accommodate or tolerate sin. We talked about this before. We're going to keep talking about it. It doesn't look like it in our time and age where it seems like sin is just flourishing. Homosexuality and immorality and everybody's just doing what they want. And it doesn't seem like they're they it seems like they're getting away with it. But the Bible is true. Amen? It doesn't matter what you see with your eyes. God's word will come to pass. Every single sin man has ever committed, God will punish. He's just being patient because... Think about it this way, you know when you know that you got the game, you you have it in your pocket, it's just no matter how far human will go, God always have it, you know what I mean? He knows that the judgment is so severe, so he's okay with waiting a little bit because he doesn't want anybody to die, because he knows that once they do, once the judgment starts, there's no going back, so he's just being patient, but the fact that he's being patient doesn't mean he will overlook sin, and that sin will go unpunished, amen? That's... That's scary news if you don't know God, and that's scary news if we know people who don't know God, right? This is bad, but this is precisely what God is trying to tell us. Fire on the altar every single second of the day to remind the children of Israel that I am a just God. I am going to punish sin. Amen? But number two, we also learn from that altar that the blood is the only way by which a sinful man can come to God. God said, if anyone sin unwillingly, then you have to bring a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there is no sacrifice for willing sins. If you sin willingly, you're done. But if you sin unwillingly and you want to approach a holy and a righteous God, you have to bring a sacrifice to that very altar, that brazen altar. And you put your hand on the head. Remember, it was only four and a half feet long, so you can reach to that. Put your hand on the head of the the sacrifice. Confess your sins and as if your sin is transferred to that animal and then slaughter that animal and the blood that, 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 that the animal, the innocent sacrifice will shed, will be your substitute. I will take that for you your blood, God said, till the full sacrifice of Christ, till Jesus comes and die on the cross to be our ultimate sacrifice, amen? What a vivid picture of Jesus and him dying on the cross. We cannot approach God except through the blood of Jesus. No good works is good enough. No sincerity is good enough. No repentance is good enough. There's absolutely nothing that can overcome our sins except the blood that Jesus has shed on the cross. And we see that picture in the Old Testament on that altar. But number three, the cross was the only way to approach God. Think about it. Look, at, look back at the picture if you want to. Once you go inside from the gate, you're from the coming from the wilderness into the tabernacle. You're going into the yard. What is the very first thing you see? The altar, right? First thing. Can you get any other way to the tabernacle? God didn't put like five, six doors to the tabernacle, right? He put only how many doors? One door. And what you do first thing you come from that door is the altar. There's only one door, and it's through the altar. There's no other doors to the tabernacle. There's no other ways to the holy place. There's no other ways to the holy of holies except through the altar. And that's what a picture of Jesus. He's the one who said about, about himself in, in, in John 14. He said, I am what? Amen. Not our way. Not a not truth, not a life. He said, I am that way. That truth and that life. He didn't say I'm a better way. He didn't say I am, uh, you know, best than other people, better than other ways. He said, I am that way. The only way. The only truth. The only life. And again, just in case you misunderstood what he's trying to say, he said afterward what? No one can come to the Father except through me. That's it. The cross of Jesus is the only way to the heart of a holy and a righteous God. Without that cross, it doesn't matter how sincere you you are, how hard you try, how good, many good deeds you do. There is no way to the heart of God except through the cross of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And that is the picture that we see in that brazen altar, in that altar of brass. That the cross is the only way to reach God. Amen? Amen. So that is the picture that we see in the first piece of furniture. Let's close our eyes and pray. If you're here today, I think we're all believers, but if you're here today... (coughs) Sin is not going to accommodate your sin. It's not going to let your sin go unpunished. He just won't. Every every wicked thought you have in your mind, God will punish. Not just the actual words that you did, but just the evil thoughts that you have, the idle words that you say. Jesus said, "People will give an account to every idle word they said." So God is a just God. He there is not a single. That comes across your brain that is wicked or simple that he doesn't take more off. This is bad, bad, bad news. The good news is, the good news is, you don't have to die, you don't have to perish. Jesus already took your wrath on the cross. Listen, the wrath of God is gonna fall one way or another. If you if you take a refuge and cover in Jesus, then he'll take your wrath. If you don't, then you'll take the wrath yourself. It seems so obvious to me what we have to do. Just run to Jesus and take refuge in his blood. And if you're here today and you know that you're saved, you know that you're going to heaven, again, the justice of God and his judgment over sin is no joke over our family members, our neighbors, our lost loved ones who don't know him. We ought to be broken. We ought to seek him like like they're in desperate, dire situation, which they are. stand. I'm going to play that.